Welcome to Find Your Niche, a career podcast offering advice that you can implement today, as well as career tips that will set you on a career path and help you to find your niche. I'm Lori Cole, certified career coach and job search advisor with iHire. iHire connects you to industry-specific jobs in over 57 talent communities. Find your niche today on iHire. Today, we have a remarkable guest with us, Grant Booker. He's here to shed some light on the world of construction project management. Grant has built his reputation on the foundation of hard work, integrity, communication, and leadership, and has established himself as a standout figure in the construction field. Throughout our conversation, Grant will provide us with a look inside his day-to-day experience on the job site and talk about his aspirations to dive headfirst into the realm of politics. So get ready to be informed and inspired as we explore Grant's unique journey. Here are the latest trends, topics, and tips that will help you in your job search. Grant, thank you so much for being here with me today on the Find Your Niche podcast. I'm very excited to have you as a guest. Lori, I am thrilled to be here. So thanks so much for asking me. So tell me about your journey into the world of commercial construction. How did you get your start? What first uh, made you interested in it in the first place? Sure. So my interest in construction began back when I was in high school. I didn't have uh, family or anybody in the industry, uh, but I cleaned toilets for the local contractor in my hometown. And uh, while, while doing that, I would walk around their office and see the prints on the table and all of it intrigued me a lot and just got me thinking about construction a a little bit. I went off to college at Purdue uh, studying engineering, was planning on majoring in mechanical engineering and got to the point where I I just kind of got tired of it. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do more with business and I was getting ready to switch degree programs and a friend came alongside me and he said, Grant, you should check out construction engineering. It's a, it's a mix between the technical classes of a typical engineering degree and it also has about 30% business related to it too. So I took his advice, checked it out, and really um, thought it was a good fit. I had the opportunity to do an internship with Shambon Son after my freshman year of college and yeah, just fell in love with it. Uh, the people that I had the opportunity to work with were amazing, uh, down to earth, cared deeply about their craft, and are literally building the future of our region. And I, I wanted to be a part of it. And so I, I finished up my degree and, and started working with Shamball full time, first of all, as an estimator, and then worked, uh, decided to move from there more into the operation side. And Uh, became a project engineer, an assistant PM, and ultimately a project manager. So tell me what type of projects you work on. So currently, I am working on a new judicial center. I also have a couple projects going on at Hillsdale College. They've got a new baseball stadium that I'm working on. I just finished up a dorm for them and getting ready to start uh, their academy as well as uh, a shooting sports arena. So I've uh, got, a, got cool. a diverse group of projects going on. And I think I need to mention too that I now work for Wygand Construction. About a year ago, I, I left Shambaugh and work at Wygand. Before working for Wygand, uh, my niche at Shambaugh was in food process construction. 
What's been the most challenging project that you've worked on and what did you learn from it? Every project has things that are challenging, but if I were to say one was more challenging than another, I would have to say it was my project in Texas. It was for a Dr. Pepper plant. We were adding a new high fructose corn syrup receiving HFCS 42. Yeah, there's, I don't know how many different types of high fructose corn syrup are out there, but this one was number 42. And uh, we were adding this receiving bay um, that we're supposed to be basically figuring out a way to bring more corn syrup into the plant and store it in a 60,000 gallon silo and get it distributed out to the plant. It was a very challenging project because in the scheme of things, it was small, which meant I couldn't live there. I had to rely on my people who were there to give me feedback on the things that uh, were, were happening day to day, week to week. And at times, uh, we, we didn't communicate well about what the real state of the project was. And so I, I would be expecting that something was going to be wrapping up shortly and start arranging for the next piece to happen. And, and then we'd get to that transition point and we wouldn't be ready. And, and so it was, uh, it really, it really taught me that I need to be uh, more dynamic in the way that I communicate. I, I need to make sure that not only I understand what people are telling me, but they understand what I'm asking and that I'm, I'm hearing the right things and not just what I'm expecting to hear, I guess would be a way to say it. Right. So because the communication is a two-way street, it's the you're trying to communicate clearly with them, but then active listening is also part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Learn to get more pictures taken instead of saying, hey, where are we at on this? It's like, hey, just send me a picture of where you're at. Saved us a thousand words every time. (laughs) That's a good idea. You know, you always see those uh, HGTV shows where they're doing something on the house and there's this moment of panic, like, oh no, we ran into this thing that we didn't expect to run into. Does that happen on your projects too? <laughs> that project in particular, I, I don't know if we were building over top Indian bones or what, but I had, I, I think I had three cases of, I have never seen this in my life from other people. So it's not just all something that gets put on on these shows. You really do run into things that you didn't expect. We, we really do uh, run into things that we don't expect. Unfortunately, though, that doesn't take our approval ratings up in commercial construction quite like it does on a TV show. It doesn't, <laughs> right. doesn't make for better TV um, whenever whenever we run into these issues, but there's still things that we, we deal with and, and you address them the best way you can and pick a path forward and move on. Well, and I imagine part of that too is prepping the client, especially if you're going into an existing plant, you're trying to remodel, it's prepping them like, we don't know what we're going to find. There's, there's always something. So be prepared for that, just like you're doing in a house. Mm-hmm. A luxury of working in the industrial setting like that, like especially food plants where you're, you're working on the system that makes them money is that they get it. They understand and they value what, what you're doing to a very, very high degree. Mm-hmm. For 
my other clients, uh, more in the commercial or residential side of things, uh, what, what I'm doing is not so much making them money as it is overhead. Although they still appreciate the work that we're doing, there's a different level of appreciation and understanding whenever things go awry for like the food processing side of things. Well, you mentioned uh, not being able to move to your project in Texas. As a former construction recruiter, I know that a lot of people with your title do move around Mm -hmm. all over the country based on where those projects are. I also know you have a young family. How do you balance that? How do you manage that? Yeah, uh, that's, that is a great question. Um, balance and manage are two very difficult words to describe uh, how I handled things. It was really great when projects were large enough that I could move my family with me. And we'd, we'd pick up and we'd set down thin roots and get to know the people in the community as quickly as we could, build a new community. And we kept doing that. We did that for about six years. And then it got to the point where I was making a lot of trips out to, again, these smaller projects in, in Texas and Arizona. And I, I ended up taking my family with me as much as we could afford because we, we wanted to be together. And I, I care very deeply about seeing my sons grow up and being a part of their life. And so it, it just got to a point in my career where I had to, had to make a decision uh, between continuing working with the company that I loved and uh, being home with my family and going to a new company uh, now at Wygand, uh, who affords me the opportunity to be home at night. Um, and I have really come to love this company as well. Yeah, I, I don't know that I, I managed or balanced anything well. It just got to the point where something had to give. So walk us through a typical day in your role as a project manager. Yeah. I, I think that the the fairest way to say it is there are no typical days. <laughs> there are things that I need to get done um, on a on a schedule. Once a month, I have to get all my billings out. Once a week, I have to get all my timesheets approved. Once a, a month, I have to do projections for how the project's doing. I have to give a report to my owner for how the project's doing. Every other week, I host meetings with my subcontractors. Uh, every week, I host an internal meeting with my team. So those are the things that are on repeat. But other than that, it can be a free-for-all. My my list that, that just grew today was, uh, uh, or I guess this morning, I was building out a schedule for uh, one project, updating schedule for another project. And then I had a guy come to me and say, Grant, I need to know where the hand dryers are going. I, I need you to finalize how the TV boxes are getting installed. Everybody's itching to get that done. I need you to come out and look at the mock-up of a fire-rated wood frame because we've never done one of these before, or at least the team I've got out here hasn't. And I need you to get on the drawings and make sure that everybody knows that the elevator is not yet approved to be installed. So it's just a lot of miscellaneous things that I have to have to do. Um, and a lot of my, my job is delegation and uh, following up. with the things that I delegated out. I am so fortunate to have a great team around me right now where I rarely have to follow up a week later and say, did you get it done? Um, I just just send things out and they come back done. And that's been a real blessing. Um, But I've worked on teams where that doesn't happen. And I just spin my wheels going around and around and asking people, please get this done. Please get this done. And... uh, I can get into, I, I have a tendency to get into a bad rut of 
fine. I'll just do it myself. <laughs> and oh, once yeah. you get onto that, that path as a project manager, when you're managing $30 million worth of work, uh, is a very bad thing to get into because then the, the more buried you are, the worse you are at delegating, which means you're going to be more buried and become even worse. And it just gets to be a crazy cycle until you work until or through the night or whatever, just to catch back up on stuff. But I, I don't know what to say about a typical day. Today, I'm, I'm in my job site uh, office in, at the Steuben County Judicial Center. Um, Monday, I'll be up at Hillsdale College uh, working out of a trailer there on site as well. Meeting up with an architect from Texas, um, as well as the client, like different stuff there. And then sometime next week, I'll be in the Fort Wayne office and, and meeting with teams there as well. So lots of meetings, lots of phone calls, lots of emails, lots of little tasks. I, I feel like I'm making it sound much worse than it is, but I do love <laughs> the dynamics. I love how dynamic this job is. So it's not an, an eight to five job or a seven to five job. You put in many hours a week for these I, projects. Typically, uh, yeah, if I, I, I struggle to get things done in 40 hours a week. So with technology constantly evolving and AI coming on the scene, and you talked about all these things, little tasks that you have to manage and you have to keep track of, how do you do that? Do you do that with technology? What kind of programs do you use? And how do you see AI changing the landscape of the construction industry? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Wygand does a, a really great job of equipping its project managers with the latest technology. Everything's stored in the cloud for Wygand. And so I can, I can access all of my stuff from any of my devices anywhere. That's really, really helpful. We also use Leverage Procore very heavily. Uh, it's the, I'd say the premier construction project management software. And so that is where a lot of my uh, open items live. I was in a bad habit of everything living on paper and lists, oh. um, you know, that, I, and there's definitely a place for paper still. Um, I, yeah. I keep some of my notes in, in journals every now and then too. Instead of putting things on paper or starting email chains, I now plug things into Procore and that will take care of sending out automatic reminders. And I know that all of all of what I need to go back and find in the future is there somewhere. Granted, there's there's always emails and stuff that you're still looking for, but I, I'd say the other tool that I use heavily heaviest is Microsoft Outlook. It is my email. Uh, my calendar is all organized. I've got like a dozen different colors that I organize things with, uh, whether it's a, just a reminder, hey, Grant, in three months from now, you need to do this. I'll, I'll put that on there and it's yellow and hey, you've got a meeting you need to get prepped for, that's red, or a meeting you need to attend, that's orange. If I haven't categorized it yet, it's light blue. If it's something I have to do, like an action item, it's green. I don't know, just a blue, navy blue is stuff I got to do for home too. So my life is pretty much managed on Outlook. And that, that helps me stay organized. You asked about AI. So yes. we're diving into that a little bit. Uh, there's obviously concerns with reliability of things. I have continued to get news feeds that come across whatever channel of information that I'm taking in that AI can help you organize your day and be that much more productive and stuff. And I, I want to look into that and, and see if it really can. 
like I mentioned before, my day is very, very dynamic. Um, no two look the same. And so I, that presents challenges for AI, I presume. Um, yeah. And I elevate my speculation that that's the, the case because uh, AI articles are out there that are talking about replacing the estimators, but they haven't said they're replacing the project managers yet. Or maybe I, I may be wrong, but I've only read them about replacing estimating services, and we'll see on that too. Um, I think it's yeah. I think it's very cool. I think uh, if we can be more efficient in the way we do things, it's it's important. Chat GPT can crank out a ridiculously professional letter in a short amount of time that has absolutely zero soul. <laughs> so I, I think I'm still inclined to. Uh, use the words that God has given me to uh, write the things that I need to write and and communicate the things I need to communicate, um, especially because tone can be so hard to decipher at times. Yeah. Uh, and if a robot is is managing the tone for you, maybe maybe you're the kind of person that it sounds exactly like you, but so far ChatGPT has not been able to sound quite like me. So, Right. And ChatGPT, it's a good start. I mean, mm-hmm. If you ask it to crank out that professional letter, it can do that. And it might include some things you didn't think about. And then mm-hmm. you can take it from there and and actually put it into your own words. But yeah. yeah, I agree. Or sometimes it writes like overly positive or overly, you know, it doesn't sound like what you would say at all, mm-hmm. like overly encouraging or overly positive. So you, you have to put your own spin on it. And like you said, give it your soul. Mm-hmm. You just have to. You just have to enter another prompt and say, "No, say it like Darth Vader would have said it." Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, Grant, what are the top three qualities that you think someone who wants to get into construction and project management should have? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. Um, there's a lot of ways areas or avenues to go with this. But I, I think the number one thing that people who want to do well in project management need to have is integrity. Construction is, is a very interesting world. Uh, there's a lot of money that changes hands. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of ways um, that you can not be fair with people. And I think it is immensely important that uh, integrity stay at the forefront of anybody's mind who who desires to be in this industry. Uh, the second thing, you got to be a hard worker. You have got to be diligent. I have worked with people in the construction industry who are slugs and it is miserable for the entire team. So if if you're not a hard worker, there's plenty of jobs out there. <laughs> Don't join the construction industry. <laughs> Uh, and then I'd say the last thing um, is somebody who can just get things done. I know at Shambaugh, when I was helping recruit, they said, do not look for anybody who has a 4.0 GPA. I said, why not? Really? Said, they said, at some point, it can't be perfect. It just needs to move on. There's a, there's a saying that is, is flowing around uh, Wygand. It's called Getmo. Good enough to move on. You don't put out poor quality stuff. You just you obtain your highest value and, and go to the next step because there's a million things waiting for you to do. So, yeah. Right. I understand that you're hoping to have a career change in 2024 because you have started your campaign for your district's 
U.S. congressional seat. That's quite a career change. What motivated (laughs) you to get into politics here? It is quite a jump. I can honestly tell you that I started my career in construction fully expecting to finish my career in construction. Politics is not something that has been on my radar for long at all. But as I, as I survey the landscape of where we are as a nation and um, the people that run for political positions, it concerned me. I, I look at my, my two young boys and I want them to have the same opportunities in the same kind of communities that I grew up in. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think we're, we're heading in the right direction. And I am yet to meet a single person who is going to say, yeah, I, I agree that, that this is all good. I, I heard it said uh, the other day that perhaps the only thing that people on the right and people on the left can agree on is the fact that we're not heading in the right direction. So mm-hmm. anyway, it got to the point where I realized I can either sit by and do nothing and complain about the problems or I can jump in and try to be part of the solution. And so I decided to jump in and see if I can be part of the solution. I've got a couple of things that have, have, I guess, been my principles and what I want to accomplish with it. But those, those three things are truth, accountability, and unity. We are fortunate in Northeast Indiana. All the candidates uh, would would ally with the first one that we want truth to be the flavor of the day. Um, second one, I, I think we all expect our whoever represents us to be accountable to us. Um, I, I think I've got a notch in my belt there because I am accountable to everybody every day in construction and have learned to thrive in that in that space, not just uh, survive or not try to shirk it, you know, I, I'm happy to be held accountable. It's, it's good for all of us. Uh, and then the last one is, is a really big one for me, and that's unity. When I first got into politics, I thought that there needed to be more and more unity uh, from conservative to liberal or right to left, just people treating people as people and, and uh, yeah, being a little bit more united in that way. I don't know. I, I would love to be an advocate for that in our in Northeast Indiana and, and in DC and uh, start lighten sparks that, that make people desire to get along with one another and civilly disagree again, instead of uh, continuing to be influenced by our echo chambers and being open to uh, putting down and hating our fellow citizens. So what's the one message or lesson from your career that you'd really like the listeners to take away from the conversation today? This is a stumper. The one, the one lesson. I think the one lesson that I would want people to take away from this is don't lose sight of people. There's always work that needs to be done. And there are definitely times that we have to buckle down and, and make it happen. But if you never take time out of your day to walk alongside somebody else and hear about what's going on in their life and teaching them, mentoring them, whatever it may be about things that relate to the job or maybe they just relate to life, um, you should stop and, and you should hear them. We are building amazing things that are going to last for 50, 70, 100 years maybe. Um, but that person is going to be eternal. Is there something you need some guidance on in terms of your career? 
email to laurie.cole at ihire.com. Thanks for listening.